The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. The music industry is joining the call for change in the wake of George Floyd's death. They are calling it Blackout Tuesday. Global Sandy Salerno has more. Numerous large music labels from Universal to Columbia Records and Sony Music will be observing Blackout Tuesday today. Same goes for companies like Live Nation and Spotify who will add a silent track to some playlists. It's a day to pause the music and reflect on the racial tension and protests gripping the U.S. Some artists will commemorate the day by refraining from posting on social media or releasing new content. Columbia Records tweeted that this is not a day off, adding instead, this is a day of reflection to figure out ways to move forward in solidarity. The movement is being shared on social media with the hashtag, the show must be paused. Sandy Salerno, Global News. And so if you've been on social media today, you would have noticed it as well. People are posting a black frame to indicate uh, they too are taking a pause and going to focus on what's happening. But does this and can this lead to any change? To explore this, we're joined by Dr. Richard Latchman, who is the Director of Zone Learning for Ryerson University. He's an Associate Professor of Digital Media in the Radio and Television Arts School, an award-winning producer. Dr. Latchman, welcome to the show. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. All right. Um, you are also uh, classified as an expert in social media, an expert in digital media and culture. When you look at what's happening, when you see artists like Rolling Stones, uh, Quincy, Joy, uh, Quincy Jones, and you see uh, people staying off social media, making a move like this, putting something up saying, I'm going to take a pause. What does that do? What does that do? <laughs> So that, that, that is a great question. And we, we hit this every time we have uh, a social media movement. I know we've, we've heard those critiques of any time uh, something feels like it's, it's called slacktivism sometimes. People are yeah. saying, okay, I, I made a post to Instagram. How did that affect change? Uh, I do believe this time it might be a little bit different uh, in that this is a moment happening for a day when there's something massive going on around the world. And uh, you, you, you'll, you'll note if you dig into this, it, it originally started with a, a hashtag movement called the show must be paused. And the idea was not stop doing something or just put up something on Instagram, but it was to pause, take a moment to think about what you can actually do that's going to have some longer effect, not just an Instagram post, but what is it for who you are, what your role is in society, what your point is at in your life that you can actually make something uh, that's a concrete change. Dr. Latchman, it's, it's been interesting because um, when it comes to social media influencers, when it comes to people who have a fairly large following on social media, um, a, a number of them have been um, very active, number one. Number two, others have been very quiet. And, and I guess third is that uh, those who have been quiet are getting called out for it. Say if you is saying that if you have a, a role like that and have a following, that it's almost your responsibility, responsibility to be speaking up, to be demanding change, to be putting out um, information that will help people educate themselves. Do you agree with that? So I, I, I think this is something that it's a, it's a, it's a very uh, fascinating world that touches on marketing yeah. as much as it does social activism. Yeah. Uh, this is sometimes called value-driven marketing. And we are seeing more and more companies, specifically around the Black Lives Matter movement, who are either seeing an opportunity or being pushed by being called out on Twitter, by being called out by the community to take a position that they aren't allowed to just 
you know, typically marketing stays away from politics. It tries not to be reactive. But social media requires immediate action. This is, a, this is something that started trending last night, and companies had to make statements about it today, and it will be over tomorrow, at least in this particular hashtag. So companies don't get to put something through their crisis management team or you know, put together a team of board meetings. It has to be somebody who has access to the social media handle, uh, who has the, the login for Instagram, who can immediately say, this is a movement that matches the values of our company, and we're demanding it. Uh, yes, it's marketing. It is also something that that is more complicated than only marketing. There's a lot of marketing. The social media influencers are master marketers, but they also uh, are good at being genuine, or at least having something that feels like a genuine connection. So companies like Nike uh, have, you know, stood up. Uh, around the time of Colin Kaepernick taking a knee uh, in the NFL and really took a stance. They're following up with this. Uh, Warner Media, Citigroup, a bank taking a stance on this. That's not something we've seen before. Nordstrom's, uh, TikTok uh, is actually, they, these companies are taking some major steps to say, in this statement, we uh, are on one side and not the other. And I do think there's value in that. It's taking the conversation away from some of the conversations that had happened over the last week where people are trying to say, hey, maybe I believe in this, but maybe we shouldn't have rioting. Maybe we shouldn't have property crime. The activists are saying that's a distraction. What we really need to be talking about is the role of systemic racism. And this pause takes it into, hey, let's actually say, when we look at systemic racism, when we look at violence against people of color, there is a stance that your constituency takes and your company can be on one side of it or, or be silent. And that's going to be seen as being on the other side of this. There has been concern as well that this could lead to distraction if the proper hashtags aren't being used, if the hashtag Black Lives Matter is, is being used. So it's it's been fascinating because, again, I mean, social media is still relatively new. It's It uh, it continues to grow. It continues to change. But um, you know, the rules around it and what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing, seem to alter every day. Can you give me an idea about what you've been watching for on social media when it comes to what is happened in the past week i mean what has been fascinating for you what has been heartbreaking for you um can you expand on that sure so the 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 the, the, um the position you're, you're talking about is people are saying if you post this black square on instagram don't use the hashtag black lives matter because that hashtag is being used to get the word out about uh, you know, be on this corner in Seattle because a march is being orchestrated, or avoid this location in Minneapolis because there's police presence. This is speaking to how we're using social media for a purpose it wasn't necessarily intended to for. Um, you know, Instagram was not built to be a tool to coordinate the movement of mass groups of activists. This is a, it's a theory uh, a writer named uh, Ethan Zuckerman calls the cute cat theory of digital activism. What he says is when a mass movement starts, we aren't all expecting it. We didn't all get online in order to be activists. So we use the tools that we did get online for, aka tools used for spreading cute cats <laughs> and pictures around. Mm -hmm. We're using Instagram. We're using Twitter. We're using Facebook. These are not one-to-one uh, -one communication. They're one-to-many means of communication. And so it's possible to flood it. It's possible that you have to keep the hashtags clean and, and spread out in order to try and get information out. That is both the power. It reaches people who maybe didn't call themselves activists, but it also means it's hard to get the message out and hard to coordinate. So that, that, that's, uh, that's absolutely one of the benefits we're seeing about this. Um, Something I think is actually the corporation stepping up is something I think in social media is really great. I love that we're getting 
on the ground information kind of unfiltered. That's, the, again, the power and the danger of social media. So we're getting images of what's happening in individual cities, both um, violence being perpetrated, which we can share widely, also messages of hope. So there have been cases of law enforcement officers walking with protesters, Absolutely. and those can be shared much wider than could just be there for the people who are present. There is also, however, uh, videos being posted that happened years ago or happened in other locations with a, with a headline posted on them that isn't accurate. And it's hard to fact check when things move at the speed of social media. So I think we're seeing this as kind of the strength and the danger of social media playing out in front of us. We've been worried about this over the last few years. Everything is happening at hyper speed right now. Uh, that's, again, the, the, the sort of biggest strength and, and biggest danger of social media. Dr. Lachman, you know, last night uh, there was a, a an altered photo of President Trump that was was posted on uh, Twitter, and I looked at it and I'm like, mm, that doesn't look right. Uh, and again, people latch onto it um, because someone had tied it to uh, an old fil- uh, uh, picture of uh, Adolf Hitler, as a matter of fact. Um, and it got debunked pretty quickly, saying, you know, that that's an altered photo. What should we be looking for when it comes to knowing what to believe and what not to believe on social media. Yeah, so we all have to be smart consumers of content. The way we might be smart consumers of anything you buy in a grocery store, uh, you don't just believe the advertising and you don't just believe the headline right now. You have to do a little bit of work to say, where is this coming from? Uh, do I recognize this website? Does it look similar to a website or is it actually that website of a media company I know or a location that I've seen? You might have to do a little bit of digging. You can check sites like Snopes. You can check sites to say, uh, when I go there, is this the only thing on this web page? Or are there, uh, you know, is there evidence that this is an organization that has existed for a period of time that does kind of reputable other articles, or is it only about a single topic? We do have to do this digging, and this is a, an obligation to us. And again, this is what it's like to live in 2020. We have to, uh, because the danger is we'll go to not believing anything, believing that all news is yeah. and all information is is relative and uh, and um, not objective, entirely subjective. We, we, we can't, that, that danger is to say we trust nothing. Uh, and that itself is not going to lead to us being able to communicate with one another, develop a shared point of view uh, uh, and share information more widely. We have to be able to get to the point where we can say, it's not that everything is untrustable. It just means I have to do a bit of work. So if I post something and I later find out it's not true, I have to post again. I have to go and take down that post and say, yeah. I was fooled by this. All of us can do this, uh, but it's a, an obligation, sort of, it's part of being online and in society in 2020. How are you uh, addressing what's happening uh, in in America right now with with your students, with conversations that you're having with the students, uh, with conversations about um, how it's unfolding on, on social media? I'd be, I'd be curious to know about that. Sure. It's... Um, I think the biggest challenge is, so we, we already, you know, we were already having conversations about what has changed, what is different, because we also happen to be in the middle of a pandemic, of course. Yes. <laughs> um, so the worry they had was we're going to make some changes for a semester. You know, maybe we'll be online next semester, we'll be online for a little while, and then we'll go back to business as usual. And actually, people, my students did not want to go back to business as usual. They, they obviously wanted to get out of their bedrooms and get out of their apartments, get out of their parents' basements. But they also wanted to say, if we don't make the most of this opportunity to make the bigger changes, it's a chance 
It's an opportunity to make some significant changes we've talked about. And without a forcing function, we weren't going to make them. We weren't going to address uh, maybe racism in a curriculum. We weren't going to address hiring policies. We weren't going to address conversations we might have with our kids, uh, the kind of books uh, and the representation in those books. And so I'm really hearing a desire to use this moment, to use the anger to make significant changes for whatever level they're at. Some of my students are, you know, uh, very young students. Some of them are, are older graduate students. Some of them have kids. Some of them have jobs. They're looking for how whatever they do when life starts again is going to be changed by and changed for the better uh, the experience that we're going through right now. And so I, I encourage all of us that the original hashtag for this was the show must be paused. It was yeah. not paused like stop your activism. It was paused like take a moment and think about what can you for who you are in your life, in your role with the people you know, uh, make some change. What's a concrete change you can go after the pause and, uh, and actually execute? You know, it was a long time ago that I went through uh, broadcasting school. It was um, 1989, 1990, <laughs> and we didn't have these. It was 30 years ago. We didn't have these conversations. We they, we just didn't have those conversations at that time. It was 92 when Rodney King happened, when the L.A. riots happened, and I can remember my first year of uh, you know working in television, thinking to myself, what the heck am I? What am I watching? And and trying to you know navigate uh, proper reporting and and language. Uh, around that. I mean, these are important conversations to have for the next generation of, of journalists, especially at a time when I think um, media is coming under a lot of fire. We're seeing um, we're seeing television cameramen, reporters um, coming under attack during uh, these protests, during these riots. Um, what do you believe, and this is my final question to you, um, as someone who, who teaches um, these students and, and certainly in, in the digital media world uh, as well. What uh, what do we need to do better in the media in covering these issues, Dr. Latchman? So, so um, I think the, the first thing I, I want to say, and I think you and I are of a similar age and similar uh, educational timing, um, the first thing I want to note is I, I believe the kids are all right. I believe that uh, the young people who are coming to school now have learned a lot from what's going on. It doesn't mean society is perfect in any stretch of the imagination, but the kinds of conversations we have in classrooms, in, uh, in our jobs, and in the media are progressing bit by bit. And it takes clawing and a lot of work to get to these conversations. And, we, and it's a ping pong kind of thing. It swings back and forth. It doesn't feel like we're advancing all of the time, but the fact that we can be having this conversation at scale across society, the fact that we're seeing different representation, different people on uh, television, uh, in film, writing books, on the news, in different roles and representations, that helps. That is a change. So the kinds of conversations we want to have us uh, see us having in the media is one, um, uh, we need to develop something that's really about what, uh, what an agreed on vision of the world can be. Uh, there's been a lot of critique of fake news. There's been a lot of critique of, again, everything being subjective. If I don't think our society can advance if we believe everything is subjective. But we also need to realize that people have different uh, experiences of the world. And by more voices going out into the world, it's easier to have a variety of channels. It's easier to have a variety of um, uh, streaming services or media that we can consume. It requires us to be a more educated consumer to seek out points of view that are not quite our own. Uh, it requires some of the major media outlets that still do have an audience, like television, like newspapers, like radio, 
to make sure they're getting lots of different kinds of voices, not view that there are two, you know, there's two sides to an issue, there are two sides to an issue. Uh, but we can have these complicated uh, conversations. We can trust our audiences. And I think a sophisticated consumer can lead to more sophisticated storytelling on the part of people in the media. So we can actually have more complicated conversations. We don't have to dumb it down to a 22-minute sitcom. We're allowed to have complicated conversations with complicated issues because our audiences are sophisticated audiences. And they, and they want them, and they want them. Uh, Dr. Lachman, I want to thank you uh, for your voice this afternoon. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Let's do it again sometime. It's great to talk to you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much.